now that means with that cliffhanger that that also lends itself to another spinoff of RoboCop, was basically <laughs> Cobb Vanth, but like from the neck down is just all robotic. Oh man, that is so good, RoboCop. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Could not get anything better than that. <laughs> well, there's our intro. There you go. You ready to do this thing? Let's do it. Welcome to Death Watch, the Star Wars podcast from a galaxy not so far, far away. I'm Mike Bennett. And I'm Chris Skull. And today we'll be discussing the series finale of The Book of Boba Fett entitled Chapter 7 in the Name of Honor. Uh, Chris, what did you think of this episode as a whole? As a whole? Uh, man, um, I want to say I liked it, but I wasn't too enthused with it and um i say it was entertaining but it still felt like it was incomplete and it was at least cohesive in that yeah we weren't like the last episodes trying to do three storylines at once Mm -hmm. um it was all about the The conflicts at least everything yeah at least everything was contained in this one episode in this one uh area in this one scene or series of scenes rather yeah it basically they could have named this episode uh, payoff because yeah. there were just like nine things that they had to pay off in this episode mm-hmm. um, because they just built it up in the in the previous six. Yeah. Um, which I guess was nice, but also like led to the predictableness of everything. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we get we get an in, like uh, we pick up right where we left off last week with the the bombing of the sanctuary which ends up being that name becomes like part of the episode because the the sanctuary becomes the sanctuary within the right. battle ironic um, yeah ironic um we we do get the first payoff in finding out that the pikes did in, in fact kill the Tuscans. There's mm-hmm. like this whole thing with Cad Bane, like like almost like pushing in on Boba's wounds, mm-hmm. to like like rubbing salt in his wounds. Yeah, with this with this whole Tuscan thing, like trying to to instigate him or provoke him. Um, it was it was interesting how much that dynamic of Cad Bane just wouldn't let it go that Boba had changed. Yes, which is sort of what really this the whole series has been about is going from this world famous killer hunter to you know a somewhat still aggressive, uh, capable of murdering person, but who is much more even handed and interested in like actually building something. Yeah, um, and Cad Bane was just not accepting that. Yeah, there's that there's that sort of tit for tat between Cad Bane and, and Boba Fett on the street where Boba calls Cad Bane a gutless murderer. And then Cad Bane uses what Boba used in the Mandalorian. I think when they were talking to yeah. Costa Reeves, Reeves. Yeah. And he says, if that's not the quack to call in the stifling slimy, I still don't know what either of those things are, but we know, we know that's like the, what is it? Pot calling the kettle black. Yeah, but in space is the um, it's the Hatties word for pot and stifling is the, <laughs> is the word for black. And, and why and, why, and, and why, kettle, yeah. why kettles are slimy in Star Wars? I don't I don't know, but I'll 
I'll leave it to them. Yeah. Well, and, and Cad Bane comes in at this point to share, or he comes in early on in the episode to kind of burst their bubble. Mando comes in at like very quickly. He's like, oh, we're, we're good to go. The, the Marshall's coming with Freetown. And uh, so they, they're like kind of at ease about it. And then Cad Bane is like, nope. yeah, no, you're not happening. No, you're screwed. Um, <laughs> and uh, it, he, he, Cad Bane represents everything that Boba Fett doesn't doesn't want to be. He represents the old ways of the of the galaxy. And Boba's just trying to be like the new the way. Kind of like how Mando is also trying to get out of or has is struggling with the old ways, uh, for instance, of his creed. But it's my prediction would be that he's engaging or will start to go on a path of the new the way. Or, or new elements of his creed. <laughs> yeah, the the uh, the detour. Exactly. <laughs> this is the detour. <laughs> this is the, this is the detour. <laughs> uh, uh, and then an interesting like part of that, the ending to that conversation at the beginning is, um, uh, Cad Bane. He's like, "You've gone soft," and Boba's response is, "We all or in your in your old age," mm-hmm. and and his response is, "We all do." Just kind of. Interesting. I don't really know what to think of it um, beyond just, you know, as we've discussed in previous episodes, we're men of increasing age and in, <laughs> there, there's this <laughs> tendency. We went from men of, of a certain age to men of increasing age. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. Well, the world is rapidly spinning on its axis. That's true. Um, but there's like this tendency to to just accept the the way that things are and mm-hmm. to not be so not working against the grain, just kind of what Boba's settling into here. Um, but we, we, they, we kind of like break Fennec comes in to provide a overview of the current situation, which is yeah. again, this like three part breakdown of Moss Espa. Um, and I don't fully understand why they think they're all good to go because yeah. she's like well we've got our four vespas in one part of town um Chrysantin is by himself in another part of town <laughs> so can we we're, we can, so we're, we also we're covered we also can't forget that he just ripped off the arms of one some probably a family from out of town who were, who were, you know, you know Trandoshans that were visiting the sanctuary and he ripped somebody's arm off. And yeah, there's beef between the Trandoshans and, and Wookiees. But who's thought it was a good idea to put the Wookiee in the territory of the same species whose arm he just ripped off, who most likely had like cousins, relatives, neighbors, maybe mm-hmm. who knew of the guy. Yeah, let's. Let's put him right in the middle of all that. Not smart. No. And, uh, you know, pretty rapidly, kind of all of these things just quickly pay off. It all <laughs> falls apart fast. <laughs> Very fast. Um, the There's this clearly coordinated attack where mm-hmm. all three of the 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 families of Mos Espa, the Aqualish, the Trandoshans, and who are the third ones? Platoonians, killers, Platoonians, killers, Platoonians. Yeah, they all simultaneously ambush the four people from Boba's crew <laughs> who are in their town. Seven. There's like yeah. seven of them. 
Yeah, and they get them locked down pretty who fast. Who thought it was a good idea to leave the, the piggy boys who already have marbles for brains to leave them by themselves, uh, like, without a chaperone? They had vibra blades, so they were good oh, to go. Well, that they also didn't have anti-grav boots, so that didn't really help them either. Yeah, that was unfortunate that of, of all of what happened in this episode... They were the only good guys to get killed. <laughs> <laughs> like we were talking about this earlier in, on our on our Slack channel. Like Chrysanthemum takes like fifteen blaster bolts to the chest and keeps going. The Mandalorians, both of them, keep getting nailed, just shot after shot, and somehow it always hits their armor and yeah. never their flesh. And the Gamorians but, get bullied into a, jumping off a cliff. They yeah, don't they even get, get shot at. They just sort yeah, of get pushed back, do- back down off of the cliff. It was really too bad. Um, and they, I mean, these were the, also the first guys to like pledge their loyalty to him. But right. I guess besides Fennec, but yeah. as he's building this crime Lord uh, syndicate or whatever, they're the first guys to be like, yeah, we're, we're with you. Yeah. And that did not pay off. Mm-mm. which was too bad. Um, but quickly everybody kind of consolidates back to, like we said before, the sanctuary. Um, it starts with Fennec going to kind of free the, the Vesp, uh, the, yeah, the, the Vespa, Vespa Rangers gang because, uh, <laughs> they're pinned down and are not capable of protecting themselves. But one person with a gun can free up everybody. Um, cause you know, Plot armor. The force is female. Plot plot weapons. Yeah. Um, now, mind you, she's on her way. Uh, they had just had the conversation of her idea is basically to cut off the head of the snake, so to speak. And I forget her mm-hmm. exact words, but her idea is uh, we got to figure out how to take over their control. So um, the um, major domo reluctantly tells them that they're still stationed in Moss Eisley. So she's making her way downtown, so to speak, walking fast, <laughs> faces past as she's homebound. Um, uh, I hate that I had to hear who is who even sings that song. But that's making my way downtown. That's all I heard as you said it. Um, so she she and here's another thing. Um why don't the Vespa Rangers get the same or literally any other it's not like there are no other speeder bikes on the planet. The Nikdos Dune Riders had one. Fennec has one. That's not even a good looking bike, but it, it goes fast. Yeah, these are such slow bikes. Like all of them, all in all of Star Wars, like on Endor with the Stormtroopers on, um, uh, I can't remember the name, but when they kill Queel, like, yeah. and when IG-11 is driving them, they're just like yeah. always, they're, they just rocket and... Mm-hmm. These guys are driving like they have speed limiters on them at like 40 miles an hour. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty sad. It's the Costanza uh, scooter, scooter race. Yeah. Well, they are, they do have very pretty colors, which, yeah. you know, is at least something. So yeah. I just realized that Fennec wasn't, it was, she was gone for the whole episode. At pretty that much. Point. Yeah. Um, after I didn't that, realize that. Um, yeah. Yeah. After she that, she's at she, the end, but mm-hmm. yeah, she makes her way over to uh, Moss Eisley, which is the next town over. I don't know what the distance between the two is, but evidently it's a whole episode length of, of travel. Yeah. Um, with a fast speeder bike with a fast speeder bike. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so after consolidating forces in front of, um, the sanctuary, they're getting, they're pinned down by the pikes. They've, they're kind of 
it's like a pretty classic Western Main Street mm-hmm. shootout. Other guys are up on the rooftops. They're coming down the street. They're moving up, and they're they're losing ground quickly. And then the people of Freetown show up uh, against the warnings of uh, of Cad Bane, mm-hmm. which is nice. They've got the the classic. I forget what type of speeder. I always know it as the Lars family speeder, but I know it's a more generic type, but but it's been retrofitted with uh, like a, a turret. turret on top. I yeah. think that might be the one. Remember the story of uh, how Cobbanth got the armor in the first place? How um, he said that uh, he, he got it off of some miners or these these guys after the after the empire fell, the, these guys yeah, the were mining like guild. the mining guild. They were going to take over the town. Uh, he scared them off, but they weren't able to get. Oh wait, or did he blow it up? I think he they had another. Blew it up with his with the the rocket, right? But I, the maybe they had another rocket. one. I don't know. But either way, they came in with like this, you know, modded out uh, turret welding speeder cavalry thing out of out of nowhere, and that's literally the only cover that they have for the entirety of the scene. Yeah, and it does. Uh, it's actually pretty resilient in terms of it takes shot after shot for a while. Um, it the, they take out the turret pretty quick, but they they all are just standing behind this speeder, which is just getting yeah. nailed. Can we but can then, we talk about what happens just before this, where the uh, the major domo pretty much gives them Boba's terms? Yes, that was that was pretty. <laughs> You know, the, I've uh, been kind of like on the fence about this guy in general. He's, he was, you know, he's kind of douchey and whatever, but, uh, he, they, he definitely plays well for the, like the comic relief in yeah. the show. Um, when yeah. it's not Pelimato, <laughs> <laughs> which is, which is funny because the two end up, well, I say together in the sense that they're just share the same scene because they're both fleeing together, but. Uh, that's exactly what happens where these two sort of comic reliefs, they end up coming together uh, like towards the end of the episode. But at this, at this stage, just before the big, the big gunfight, um, I thought this moment was, was very interesting because uh, Din is ready to make his final stand with, with Boba and Boba is like, you know, you can go if you want. And Din's like, okay, then we'll both die in the name of honor. You sure you want to stay? This is the way. Uh, he's ready to go out with a bang. And then the Twi'lek is like, I got an idea. How about we, we don't die and maybe grovel and maybe we can walk out of here alive. So Bubba's like, I noticed he was really quick to say, yeah, let's do that. And I yeah. thought that was a little suspicious, but um, he gives a, for some reason, they have the technology to just auto type handwritten things, I guess. Like he writes something really quick in some sort of digital pad and he hands it over to the major domo whose one skill is probably not proofreading because yeah. I'm sure he would have <laughs> would have uh, taken this situation differently. But he goes out like, yep, these are the terms of Boba Fett's surrender. Uh, he's going to do... Nothing. Uh, You will leave this planet and your spice trade. If you refuse these terms, 
the arid sands of Tatooine will once again flourish with flowered fields fertilized with the bodies of your dead. I thought that that was a very Boba moment <laughs> to, to use the guy who talks too much uh, as a basically a bait and switch so they can literally get the jump and get the high ground on, on these pike guys. Yeah. Yeah. I had a thought that we didn't talk about last week, but we kind of made fun of the fact that Boba had literally zero lines last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was actually pretty classic Boba Fett, like from <laughs> Return of the Jedi. Like <laughs> That was probably in. the most Boba Fett episode technically that we've ever gotten because of how right. little FaceTime and how little dialogue he actually got. <laughs> He had like, you know, a total of like seven words of, t- of, of lines in, in yeah. both movies from the original trilogy. So it was pretty, pretty classic Boba actually. Um, and, but we get the moment where you're like, oh, they said the thing from the title of the show where they, both Mando and Boba agreed in the name of honor mm-hmm. to, to, uh, to fight it out. And, uh, I guess that's when the Freetown people show up, right? Yeah. And then with their help, they actually start to clean up the streets. Um, you get some of the classic like old Western, the guys getting shot and falling off the. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, they kind of they start to pull back and uh, you're like, oh, OK, great. But, you know, we are not tricked at all because we <laughs> we know that that's not going to be the end of it because we look at the runtime and we're only 20 minutes of the way through a 15 minute episode this is one um, third of the episode done there's still more to be resolved this episode of death watch is brought to you by skull square design company if you're a fan of boba fett the mandalorian or anything star wars related be sure to check out our shop for some great gifts for you and your family whether you're perusing the bazaar and black spire outpost or want to show your allegiance to Kylo Ren in the First Order, we have great wearable gifts for you to enjoy. Check out our shop at SkullSquared.com or find us on Instagram and TikTok at SkullSquared. That's Skull with a C, as in... See y'all real soon! Yeah, so these droids are are pretty dope, and uh, they I feel like they've... They're called Scorponek droids. The name gets dropped by Peli Motto later when she's doing her comic relief bit. But um, they, I guess, have been seen elsewhere before, at least discussed in lore. They're basically version two of the droidicas from the the droid army. Um, But hardly any of these were made, from what I understand, maybe 100 total because they, I mean, they're huge, man. Unstoppable. and my kids were watching this and uh, Boba, you know, he lines, they're shooting at it. Nothing's happening. Like it's pretty classic uh, shield uh, graphics where you see the blaster bolts just kind of knocking into it and disappearing. Um, Boba drops his, his visor um, reticle and shoots his rocket at it and it blows up. And my daughter was like, oh yes, they got him. <laughs> I was like, oh, just wait. Yeah, <laughs> smoke, smoke clears. The droids oh. are still there. Oh, Nothing's honey. changed. Yeah, yeah. So he uses then, his one rocket, and we get this like really annoying sequence where you know Boba and Mando are going to cover the rest of the group as mm-hmm. they run, but they run straight down the middle of the wide road, <laughs> and the droid is shooting at them, but can't hit a single one of them. You you can tell that none of them are from Florida. 
because one of the <laughs> one of the things that we're told is and this is i mean i'm sure this is like in other places but if if you encounter an alligator or a similar predator you know animal and it comes running after you never ever run in a straight line you gotta zigzag you yeah. gotta you gotta give them the juke you know i I just couldn't believe what was happening. Anyway, like there's literally straight. all this other cover they could be running into in the meantime. Yeah, or even just running at least along the edges of the street by the building, you know, anything. Right. Um, but so none of these people get hit. Mando and Boba kind of jetpack back and forth trying to draw their fire. Um, they try their flamethrower. That doesn't work. Mando's like, oh, wait, I've got a dark saber. This is no big deal. Uh, that doesn't work either. You can still see him, you know, from the last episode, he's struggling with it. It looks like he's a 10 year old holding, <laughs> you know, a giant metal sword and can't quite lift it. Um, I think he, I think he had a little bit more control over it this time around. And I don't want to admit that it had to do with him seeing Grogs and him thinking that, you know, baby Groda is okay and now he can actually focus because Maybe. that means I have to admit that they that they used up an entire episode of the Boba Fett power hour to explain why first Din Djarin has to be there and second why he's struggling to use the Darksaber but alas I felt like he still had a little bit better control and it's probably because he was able to quote unquote focus now I also thought, with like, it. when we saw him like flailing with it, he was in a melee with like 12 guys around him. Right. There's a lot more like ominous mm-hmm. here. I mean, obviously these droids are a big deal, but he was kind of behind it and yeah. he just kind of picks it up and takes just, a whack at it. It's not. Nope. Doesn't work. Yeah. I think he takes like one swing and he's like, yeah. nope, this isn't going to work. We did get the cool, like he dropped a reference to the fact that our, our um, energy weapons are not working mm-hmm. and our projectile rounds are moving at too high of Kine- a velocity. Yeah. He says something about kinetic. He says our kinetic yeah, yeah. weapons are not working um, because they're moving at too high of a velocity, which is a reference to the clone wars. When Anakin and Rex are training the rebels on blanking on the planet's name, but it's, mm-hmm. um, uh, is that the one with Saw Gerrera? Saw Gerrera, yep. Mm-hmm. And the rebels on his planet. And they teach them how to gently roll a, a grenade <laughs> slow slow enough yeah. that it moves and it moves right through the, the shield. If you do it too fast, it bounces off the shield and doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was hoping when he said that, that there would be some like action item on that, that he would right. take one of his little belt um, thermal detonators yeah. and, or something. But yeah. Um, it didn't work out, but anyway, it was just a little nod, at least to how the shields work and how they are weak. They have a weakness. Mm-hmm. They just weren't able to take advantage of it. So we see Santo, uh, Chris Santon shows up also. Um, I remember when, when he came on to the scene just before then it's made, it's heavily implied that he's a goner because he's overwhelmed by the, by the lizard boys. That's true. Um, he's like dragging like six of them who are just <laughs> hanging off of him. <laughs> <laughs> and he's still just flinging them off. Yeah, he, he gets one where he like tosses in the air, pulls up his energy rifle, and just like blasts him, <laughs> which is a pretty good shot. But the thing is that this Chrysanthemum character, being a Wookie, has is is without having any armor, has like the most plot armor next to Beskar. 
He's just taking like hit after hit after hit. He comes in, he's limping on the scene. He gets um, shot in the leg again. Just shot, you know, he's he's getting he's getting beat up. But then again, you know, in legends and in and in comics, his character was one who could you know, he was uh, formidable. I mean, you couldn't be like top gladiator unless you can take several punches. And and this guy, he, he definitely doesn't back down because he, I'm not sure if this is expl- if this was explained, but you can tell that he was trying to get through to the shield, and he almost would have if it wasn't for him getting knocked out by the yeah. by the leg of the droid. It almost looked like his, you know, his electro knuckles yeah. were were contributing to maybe overloading the energy shield or something mm-hmm. but i did if there was any one person who could smash their way through that energy shield it was going to be him but he doesn't make it and uh one of the one of the vespa rangers kind of helps him out mm-hmm. to get away um is this when the spin move happens? This is when the spin move happens. Okay. So Chris and I are split on this. I didn't actually really notice it. It, like it happened. It was just like part of an action sequence. They're there. They have him over his, their shoulder. They're getting shot at. And then I forget which one, what his name is, but he drops out from under his arm, does this really <laughs> dramatic spin move and then stands in the same place and shoots a guy. Yeah. Um, and then it became this whole meme that, you know, <laughs> people have been ripping on the last three days. Um, so I, I dug into this a little bit and I need to figure out, why because even the way that was shot the slow motion the theatrics of it there had to have been a reason for it well turns out robert rodriguez directed a series of movies um one of them being uh, desperado in 1995 starring danny trejo mm-hmm. Salma hayek and antonio banderas yeah and the titular character antonio banderas called el mariachi is a gunslinger slash musician yeah, I for know some the movie. reason. Yeah, yeah, he walks around with a violin case. Yeah, or was it him, or was it his opponents? Because I remember I hadn't seen the movie. I saw the trailer for it. The violin case ends up being like a machine gun slash missile launcher for some. Anyway, so but if you see even just the trailer, you understand the whole. It's all theatrics. It's just all over the top, all explosions and people flying all over the place. And that's exactly how this episode felt. That's okay. exactly what happened. It's basically Desperado, but on Tatooine. Yeah. Well, I guess that makes a little more sense. Yeah. I'll say of all of the uh, Robert Rodriguez action sequences in this series or this, this episode was the best of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a lot of like like the Vespa like racing scene from the second or third episode was like so racing is is pretty strong of a term to describe whatever it is that we saw. Yeah, um, but this one was this one had a lot of good yeah. action moments, except for maybe that turn and shoot. I actually <laughs> I missed the turn and shoot, and I was just questioning how these two small humans were helping out. <laughs> this probably 600 pound Wookiee. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was like, what, what help are you giving him? What are they he, doing? Their best Susan. They're doing their best. It was like when you can sort of break the fourth wall of a, of a television series and you're like, Oh yeah, that's a 200 pound man in a Wookiee costume. Yeah. <laughs> that's how they're <laughs> helping him. <laughs> um, 
although I'll say his costume actually is good. The the makeup and whatever that they did a good job yeah. with Chrysanthemum. I I dare say they did a better job than they did with Chewbacca, even in the sequels. I think. Hmm. I mean, then again, Chewbacca doesn't have a lot of detail to him. He's just a rug with a bandolier. But Chrysanthemum carpet. He's a walking. Carpet, okay, he's a <laughs> The walking carpet, but with Chrysanthemum, they did a much better job in actually making it look like a, a an outfit. Yeah. So um, Mando and Boba keep doing their best, which is doing nothing at all. <laughs> um, and uh, Boba's like, all right, I'm going to go get help. And there was like a, I actually didn't pick up on it. I wish I had picked up on what was about to happen because um, it seems so obvious now. But I was like, OK, uh, is this where we get some random last minute cameo from like Bosk or <laughs> uh, I can't think of I couldn't think of anyone else quickly up. But I was like, OK, who are we getting to come in to help out? Or actually what I did hope was that R2D2, who I guess we kind of glossed over it earlier, mm-hmm. but he he uh chauffeurs <laughs> Groku to the planet and I was hoping that he would kind of show up in this moment with the X-Wing before he left the planet and mm-hmm. blasted the two uh droids from the no, X-Wing that would have been no, cool no but apparently he was on the clock he was on Uber and he needed to go pick up his next next ride in the in the next planet over it would have been nice to see him piloting a you know a fighter like that because he's done it in the past in the clone wars he he flies um well i think it's actually mace windu's mm-hmm. um jedi starfighter oh if yeah I remember correctly in, in the the one where boba bombs the jedi cruiser and in, in trying to kill mace windu mm-hmm. which i guess now he comes back in season two yeah we missed yeah, it but we'll, we'll talk about that later yeah um but uh yeah it would have been nice to see because in that episode uh, R2's flying the starfighter and shooting down, uh, you know, some of the droid ships and stuff. So yeah, it would have been nice to see it happen again. Anyway, it doesn't work out. Uh, Boba obviously goes to pay off one of the things we set up earlier <laughs> to bring <laughs> the Rancor, um, which was, I mean, just gratuitously awesome. Um, I, they did a really great job with the animation of that. Yeah, like, I think this is like I, we can't call it live action because it's it's CGI. But this is is this the first time that we see a Rancor like loose? So they fight in the Clone Wars. They fight some Rancors somewhere, I think. Um, or are they Gundarks? I, I don't remember. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I know. I in, we saw some. And then I guess they see him in Bad Batch too. They right. that one time where they're catching the one guy. But yeah, but in terms sure, of this film, the film, only live action yeah. we've seen is the one from Return of the Jedi, which was a claymation <laughs> rancor, um, and was phenomenal at the time. But uh, nowhere near what this guy is. Mm-hmm. Um, was I mean, yeah, some some great action, and we get uh, Pelimato shows up in the uh, the rickshaw droid <laughs> with. A blanket next to her which was kind Con- of like convenient we, could we really not just pay it off right away or did we have to I, I guess we had to have mando hop on first yeah and then find him yeah but who i don't even know how groku tolerated the blanket over his head <laughs> <laughs> 
just clearly just taking a nap. He just had Another, a snack. It was just like a disservice to the story. That was the only reason why that happened. <laughs> what I don't understand is why Pelimoto thought it was a good idea to bring this unchaperoned child, which don't even get me started about Luke just dropping the kid off completely unsupervised. He's a, he's a terrible chaperone that Jedi I'm giving that Jedi school two stars at best. But anyway, what, why Pelly think it was a good idea to bring this small creature? She could hear the explosions, right? I mean, I mean she's not aware that anything's happening. Evidently, like there's a moment where she turns the corner and goes, Oh, we need to turn around. Yeah. Like, how do you not hear all of this stuff as you're on your way over there and think to yourself, man, this is a great scenario to to leave this unaccompanied child, you know, yeah, in, into the middle of this firefight. But OK, I did. We should talk for a second about the whole Luke Skywalker uh, situation here, because, yeah, yeah, he gives Grogu a choice at the end of the last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess we'll find out more about how this decision goes, if it's like a permanent thing or, or not. But, um, it seems permanent. It seems like Luke kind of gave up on it really quick. (laughs) Um, a little too quick. If we're like, Hey, I found literally another Yoda to, uh, run the Jedi (laughs) for another 800 years. This is great. Uh, actually this is a little bit challenging. He wants to go play. So I'll just, we'll just (laughs) let him go. Um, Cause he, I mean, yeah. Anyway, I, I, I like the, I like that there's finally a good father in star Wars. Yeah. And we didn't just totally throw it out the window. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like finally Din Djarin, he's a good father. And then we, we lose the kid and he's just yeah. a guy again. So we're leaning into the father storyline, but we are losing the Grogu Jedi storyline. And, uh, I guess for, it, for now, it, yeah, it uh, seems it, like it needed to pay off. From what I understand, comics that come after this say that um, Ben was the first student right. in Luke's academy, and so it wouldn't work if if Grogu was was actually there. So I don't know. We'll see. But that's gonna have to pay off in Mandalorian season three. I guess so. The so, um, the one thing that I liked about that there's that touching moment when Din discovers Grogu's in the in the car seat mm-hmm. and he goes okay little guy I'm happy to see you too I didn't know when I'd see you again it's okay yeah I missed you too buddy but uh we're in a bit of a bind here right now be careful you keep your head down you stay hidden until the fight's over Hey, that's the shirt. You got the shirt. Hey, that's the shirt. And then, yeah. oh, you got the shirt. Oh, you got the shirt. And like that and, moment was really touching. Yeah. Because, you know, that character doesn't really show a lot of heart. Mm-hmm. So he, he cared about, you know, you know, the fact that he actually got it. He doesn't know about the choice that he had to make. Sure. It was nice that um, I feel like if, if nothing else, the time with Luke serves, uh, the plot some so that 
Grogu can move quickly Mm -hmm. because before he's like just hardly ever moves. He has to be carried places. But like he turns and sees Mando and he jumps up. He jumps all the way up. And um, and I think, you know, that'll provide more mobility for him within the story and in the Mm -hmm. scenes in yeah. the future seasons. But. So what, what you're saying is we we wasted an entire episode so that Grogu can learn how to force skip. Got to give some explanation to it. Okay. I'm, I'm glad we had, I'm glad we had that exposition. We needed Grogu to reach out and heal Mando in season one. Mm-hmm. So the week before. Oh, uh, right. The yeah, that's true. Skywalker. So it would explain why Ray was okay. healing a snake and then healing Kylo Ren. Okay, true. That is so, true. Grogu is just, he's doing all kinds of, of service to the storylines of the Star Wars uh, galaxy. So, so aside from Pedro Pascal, Grogu is carrying the entire Star Wars franchise. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, that's fair. I mean, he, uh, go look at merchandising sales. Oh, I uh, have. <laughs> I guarantee you, Baby Yoda stuff. That's uh, 50% is, of all yeah. Disney parks, even the yeah. ones that are not Star Wars related. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fifty percent of Disney income, like <laughs> Disney Plus sales, park sales. The puppeteers that, for it, Grogu are on the board of directors for Disney. Yeah, the puppet is on the board of directors. No, for Disney. the puppet is the VP. <laughs> yeah, uh, I do still remember that funny line when he when uh, John Favreau tells Jason Sudeikis to to punch the, the doll, <laughs> but like. But don't like hit it too hard. It's like a, <laughs> it's, it costs a million it's a dollars. Million dollar <laughs> a little, little doll. <laughs> yeah. So let's see. Back to season two point five of the Mandalorian. Um, we so uh, Boba leaves. He's not back yet. I guess in theory, Mando has some more time. Peli shows up with Grogu, and they kind of go on this chase around town um as the droid keeps following them again still can't hit them until what was that oh the, it, it hits the droids like head off and yeah or i think I, it to crash. I, or somehow i think the droid malfunctions or yeah. maybe it had something to do with ellie with peli uh throwing a whole wrench at its head <laughs> yeah <laughs> to make it go faster it. Yeah, um, you'd think there's an easier way to control a droid, but maybe not. Yeah. And there's this like cool moment where they flip over and Mando uses his <laughs> rocket to like thrust forward and capture Grogu and then like land on the ground, keeping him safe. It's a cool moment. Yeah. Uh, he's not able to help out Pelimato, who loses a tooth <laughs> and <laughs> spits it out. Um, that was all good comic relief there. Or we cut back, I guess, to the other. Uh, droid that has the rest of the crew pinned down. Yeah. Uh, that was a kind of was an interesting moment. That's when the some of the bikers, or no, that was before. They're all together, and the one chick is like, we can't fall back any further because I know this part of town, and this is our last defensible position. After this, we're going to be cornered, and we're going to be done. Right. We have to make our final stand. Um, and... The, the switch they make with from <laughs> the weak way who has the uh the cycle, the cycle rifle yeah she's like um i'm gonna go up there i'm gonna shoot him and she's like the other girl's like with that it's because she's got the noisy cricket from <laughs> men in black which we know is canon because the the et species are in the senate forum mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. The, the prequel movie so mm-hmm. it certainly makes sense that there's 
uh, weaponry from Men in Black uh, in this galaxy. Of but course. She switches over. I wish they had made... The Weequay doesn't question it. He just takes the gun. I wish he had looked at it like, are you serious? Yes. But he doesn't. Um, and I don't feel like a whole lot paid off with this her going up to snipe from up above. Um, I mean, the shields are the still in place. Yeah. Yeah. The shields are still in place. They still have to wait around for, um, Rancorzilla to show up and save the day. Yeah. Which is, which is what happens. He shows up, the Rancor starts smashing through the shield, starts ripping them apart. Although it's not like an instantaneous, like, no. Oh, we punched it. It's done. It's like, we ripped off its leg. Okay, it's hopping around on one leg and still shooting us. Okay, we ripped off its rocket launchers. Okay, it's still shooting with its blasters. <laughs> um, it did not go down easy. Um, on one of them, they knocked the shield out, and Mando rockets up with the dark saber and slashes it into the droid, but it still doesn't really take it out. It keeps going. They, these these things are pretty big deal. I don't know why they didn't make This is like the ion cannon like loophole we're mm-hmm. like how did you invent a weapon so powerful and it just didn't really exist it's not like the death star that requires a planet-sized ship and to it's just a couple of droids you think they would have made more of them but anyway and we're basically this is kind of at the final showdown that we predicted yeah um, cad bane rolls up to rub more salt in the wound on the whole uh, Tuscan thing. He starts calling him out. I mean, he's just like doing all the like the nagging, mm-hmm. emotional, like uh, <laughs> torturing tactics that you can do to make someone feel bad about themselves. Yeah, and, and then he's basically being a, a bully, kind of like what we talked about before. Where Cad Bane represented the old ways and how dare you change and projection, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then Boba is just trying to. Psych, you know, trying to navigate through all that mentally and try to be the better person, but it's there's definitely that there's definitely that that struggle, like that, uh, in you know that showdown mm-hmm. between the between the two of them. I think Boba knew that he wasn't going to be the faster gunfighter. I think he admits as much. You know, uh, Bane says, you know, I'm still faster or something like that, which is true. Because mm-hmm. I think uh, Cad Bane, said, but I have I have armor. That's that was yeah. his response. <laughs> <laughs> I have. I'm the main character. I have yeah. plot armor. Yeah. You know, Cad Bane is the one who I think is get it gets the first shot uh, in, and yeah, I mean they the, both they both draw, but um, Boba gets like shot in the mm-hmm. chest plate and knocked down, but he drops his rifle and then he tries to get up again to pull out another blaster and he gets shot again and knocked back down. And, and then we realize the first five episodes of Boba becoming a Tuscan Raider are solely to pay off in this moment when mm-hmm. he's pinned down on the ground and Cad Bane is standing over top of him about to, he, he rips his helmet off yeah. and then pu- puts his gun to his head. And then Boba, like there's this moment where he like almost gives up. Like he just like kind of takes a deep breath and looks away like, okay, it's over. And then he quickly, the camera changes angles. So you sort of don't quite see how he gets up, but he gets up, grabs his, his gaffy stick, flips Cad Bane on the ground, rips out the blaster from him and has him pinned on the ground. Um, and we get this, there is a cool moment. So we know that the dent in Boba's helmet 
comes from probably a deleted scene that never aired from the Clone Wars where Cad Bane and Boba have a, a shootout um, and Cad Bane's blaster bolt for some reason puts a dent in Beskar, although nothing else puts a dent in Beskar. But in the shootout, um, Cad Bane also gets shot in the head in some way. And mm-hmm. when his um, cowboy hat gets knocked off, you can see the metal plate where uh, like where he got hit, which we see that in the Bad Batch, too. Um, but it's like, yeah, it's it's where he gets shot by um, by Boba in that deleted scene, sort of like confirming that de- the deleted scene actually did happen. Um, which was kind of cool. Um, and then, and there's, yeah, yeah, I didn't notice that. Yeah. And then there's some last moment. Cad Bane makes a move and then Boba just stabs him in the middle of the chest, holds him down. And that is the, the end of Cad Bane. There's, um, talk going around on this specific scene. We have no idea what it actually is going to lead to, but he has this thing on his chest that starts blinking and beeping the moment he dies that wasn't active while he was still alive. Oh really? And they sort of float over his body, the camera. Yeah. And uh, you see the thing blinking on his chest. It's not explained as to what it is. Huh? Um, so there are theories that he's actually alive or it's like maybe like when, um, the equivalent of like a dead man switch. Yeah, it's it's alerting Mace Windu. <laughs> to, to, to come. Your your time up, your time, bro. It's yeah. your turn. I was almost gonna say like, oh, can we just let people die in this series? And I was like, <laughs> no, that's I, I, I gotta keep it keep them alive so that Mace Windu can stay alive. Yeah. Um, I didn't I didn't know I saw that it was beeping. I just assumed it because you know he has those breather tubes mm-hmm. that go into his neck, which ap- apparently are all part of his like um, resistance to to the Jedi. Like the reason why he was such a great bounty hunter and did a lot of uh, bounties against the Jedi. Like he actually captures Obi Wan in mm-hmm. uh, in a story arc um, is so that he couldn't be force choked because the tubes like provide air below where his like oh, I know that. Get choked or something like that. yeah. So that's um, from what I have heard because he yeah. Anyway, um, it's just. Uh, an interesting yeah thing. so i just assumed that the stuff on his chest was part of that whole mechanism and it was just beeping for no reason or whatever i okay. didn't think of anything but maybe it was yeah. just you know an emphasis he, he's dead yeah can we uh i want to i want to make a mention that it's i don't want to say poetic i'm not sure if that's the word but going back to that old way new way theme uh notice how it was the gaffy stick in right. which Boba won the battle and not the traditional blaster that he was associated with before, you know? Yeah. They, that was, they, I did like that. They never say, you know, don't, uh, don't ever bring a knife to a gunfight. Um, but the whole development of him being a part of the Tuscan family and him coming up with this idea that he's going to do things different. He's not going to be a bounty hunter anymore. He's going to, he's going to grow as a, Community leader, let's say, um, that's what the gaffy stick represents. And that's what he uses to um, to end his feud with Cad Bane, who represents the old ways of the ways of his father, Django Fett, and the, and the old bounty hunters. 
yeah, no, I, that was, I would call it poetic and it was, uh, I mean, it was full circle for the series, mm-hmm. um, full circle, full circle for the transition of Boba to Daimyo. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then leader of, of tattooing people. It was, it was a nice moment. Yeah. And, uh, so from here we kind of transitioned to things getting back to normal, so to speak. Well, um, actually the, the rancors <laughs> before oh, yeah, they yeah, can yeah. do that, this whole moment be- before they can do that, the rancors still on the loose. <laughs> yeah. Cause Boba's like, you know, he's dealing with, with Cad Bane on another yeah. part of town and the people of Freetown actually are like, uh, let's just kill it because it's destroying everything. At one point there's, there's a scene where he, the rancor climbs a building, everybody's shooting at it. She has a speeder in his, in his hand. Yeah. And he flings it at the crowd. Like, how are you going to avoid a car being yeah. thrown at you by this so three tons? monster? obvious reference. This is, this is, um, King Kong. Yes. Um, he, you know, climbs up the Empire State Building, or the yeah. Chrysler Building, I forget, um, grabs a plane that's flying around him as they're yeah. shooting at him, chucks it at. So, you know, it's a very old cinema reference, but, mm-hmm. you know, pretty well poetically done. Um, but then Mando comes back and he's like, dude, you're scaring it. Like, this is not going to help. Um, and then hands. Grogu to Peli. She's like, here, protect him. She's like, who's going to protect me? <laughs> Which <laughs> foreshadowing. Anyway, he does. Uh, yeah. Um, he Mando, gives. Yeah. Go Mando ahead. flies off because his head, I guess, was sore and he needed it to get smashed in the, the ranker's mouth. I for a second, I was like, he, he flies right up, grabs the chains and rides right on his back. And I was like, oh, this is cool because it looked exactly like when he hops on the uh the blurg in the mm-hmm. first episode you're like oh this is cool kind of full circle mando remembering his mandalorian roots and riding this great monster then boom he grabs him, <laughs> him into the ground and you're like oh yeah no never mind that didn't work yeah out. if it wasn't for that best scar we we'd be having a headless mando yeah um and as uh mando's like sort of lifeless body is laying there the rancor comes down and then Groku is all of a sudden somehow out of Peli's hands and in the middle of the street, walking up almost like Western style. You know how when you're wearing those mm-hmm. like leather chaps and your cowboy <laughs> boots and you can't quite walk normally. So you're like you're like walking bow legged because you ride yeah. horses all day. That's kind of how he looks walking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a little potato so sack. Exactly. Um, and then he comes up and he's like, Hey, you guys remember from the second episode when I used my hand to stop a giant rhino? Okay. Well, I'm going to stop a giant rancor. Um, except I'm just going to put him to sleep and yeah. <laughs> has a cuddle party. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take a nap. I'm taking a nap. You want to take a nap? I'm taking a nap here. Okay. Take a nap right there then. Good night. Good night. Yeah, we get the last bit of comic relief when, well, I guess not the last one, second to last one when Pelly and the, uh, uh, what's his name? The Major Domo. Uh, Major Domo, like off to the side and the Rancor just like <laughs> yells right in their face and they yell back, right, right, right back at him. It was hilarious. Um, but he falls asleep. Uh, Grogu cuddles up next to him literally while he's sleeping. And, uh, and then that's kind of the end of the whole sequence. And we kind of fade to black, fade back into 
probably a couple of days later. Um, and the town is beginning to rebuild. Boba is walking with his helmet off with Fennec and everyone's like doing this very respectful, like Mm -hmm. arm over the shoulder or arm over the chest and bowing. Um, and he's doing the same and clearly like representing that Mando or that Boba has earned the, you know, the, the right to rule these people, to lead Mm -hmm. them. They respect him. The kids run out and give him a, um, a Meluron fruit. Yeah. And, um, it's all, it all comes together in the street with the biker gang and Chrysanthemum all there having a little corny, like back and forth. I, I, I I hear the theme song to full house playing in my head when (laughs) this scene shows up where like the whole gang is, is together. Chrysanthemum is uncle Joey. Mm-hmm. And I will not be taking questions at this time. Yeah. Keep, be on the lookout on our social media page for a side-by-side of Uncle Joey and Chrysanthemum because it's coming. These people are this. This is the same person. Yeah. You know what? This will be our next uh, really great merch idea. Uh, like your last one, which I should just plug in here. Chris came up with... Uh, a, a little set of merch that has really taken off. It's now our most popular <laughs> um, uh, product line, if you call it that. And yeah. uh, if you if you feel emotionally damaged from last week's episode, um, you can get emotionally damaged by David by Dave Filoni. Uh, shirts, hats, hoodie, stickers, stickers. Yeah. yeah, mugs, it's all there, mugs, all of which have uh, have been purchased by our lovely viewers and listeners. So we all we appreciate it. Thank you for if you already got one and uh, consider gay one if you already haven't. For sure. Uh, um, just just before this scene shows up, Fennec, Master Assassin oh, yeah. slash Ninja. Where she comes back into this. Scene. Yeah. So apparently she takes the whole episode to get over to Moss Eisley and they don't explain how she does it, but she just does the thing where there's the room with the pikes and the th- and the uh three families Heads and the family, mayor yeah. and the mayor and she takes them all out one by one um what in the naruto secret <laughs> ninja shadow jutsu did she use to like all of a sudden she's outside and now she's right behind you and then she's right above you and then she's like shooting from afar and she's like up close i'm like they don't ex- i guess that sort of adds to that mystique of the character she is a master assassin so she's i mean yeah they don't have to explain it it's just it just she just does the thing that's why she's there there's a second unfortunate point that i i mean i don't know if this is confirmed but robert rodriguez that doesn't is known to have a sense of humor the character of mayor mock shies doesn't that sound similar to mayor mccheese (laughs) <laughs> I want it to be wrong. That's that's some real deep uh, <laughs> advertising. This episode of The Book of Boba Fett has been sponsored by McDonald's. <laughs> and you can tell because we buried a name in Hatties or in... Uh, Iridonian or whatever. Have you not, after the end of every episode, wanted to just get that egg McMuffin? 
Now I'm going to go back and listen to the music and see if there's a but up, 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 There is actually at there. the end, actually at the end of the episode, <laughs> at the end yeah. of the episode when they go boom, but um, boom, but I did, I did love the sort of the remix of the theme song. Yeah. The, all the other ones had the, just the, like the chant of the, huh, mm-hmm. and then, and now they say fet and then they added in Boba Fett right before yeah. each of the sequels. is pretty cool. Um, I wonder if they'll go back and just change it in all the episodes. But uh, yeah, the that's we kind of fade off of the the streets of Moss uh, Espa and up into space where mm-hmm. Mando is dr- riding around in his N1 Starfighter. Uh, we finally get to pay off again. <sighs> the glass dome. I'm not I'm not happy about this. Yeah. Oh, and I, I was, missed the, the, the fan service where <laughs> right before he leaves uh, Grogu to go take care of the rancor. He gives him the shifter, the knob. shifter knob. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, which he now has in the, in the cruiser or in the Starfighter, <laughs> banging on the glass, <laughs> doing more annoying dad things. So He's, Michael, I don't have kids, so I defer this to you, but mm-hmm. how, how relevant is this where the, where Grogu's in the bubble cockpit and he goes, are we oh, there yeah, yet? They, they nailed it. Are we there they yet? Nailed it. Are we yep. there yet? Now. <clears throat> no. All right. But this is the last time. is how it goes and uh i definitely connected with the moment it was cute um <laughs> it you know again i question the utility of this n1 starfighter as a, a means of transportation it's like but it's what we got what, it's what we got but it does look cool him up there in the glass <laughs> dome and uh obviously he's asking mando to punch it because he wants to go fast which he subsequently and does it refers back to when he's Mando's doing those like in in atmosphere like stall and flip when and Grogu's got his hands up and he's like yeah <laughs> uh, it's he can't beat cute Grogu and uh, and Mando's off into season three so he's gone for the rest of the year we'll see him at Christmas um, I guess we'll see if we see anybody else anytime I don't know what other shows are out there but um, I don't know what do you think is this did they just set up a season two or are we sort of experiencing this new era of television where we have a, a universe of show, a family of shows where they all overlap and oh man you know, i think it's not dead or boba's story isn't over but it may just get picked up in other stuff i think it's too soon to tell this is all still very new i think they're without outwardly saying it they're trying to be like an mcu of star wars yeah because now we have this does set up itself this does set itself up rather for uh continuity because and if you haven't um if you haven't seen it but there's a post-credit scene in this episode which I want to say spoiler alert, but this whole episode, everything we do is one big spoiler alert. But anyway, um, Mr. Mr. Vanth is still very much with us, you know, a la Bacta tank care of Dr. Thundercat. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't seen it, 
uh, Cobb Vanth is still around. He's still in the Bacta tank. So this logically means only one thing that we're going to be getting RoboCob the movie. <laughs> and if he uh, plays his cards right, Mr. Til- Timothy Oliphant can make this a pretty solid trilogy of just him as a robotic marshal of Freetown. Yeah, you know what? You know, the same way that the book of Boba Fett launched from the after credit sequence of Mando's show. Yeah. They're now launching Cobb, RoboCob from the after Confirmed. credit sequence. Confirmed. <laughs> oh, man. That's it. Yeah. It's done. It's happening. RoboCob. Uh, RoboCob. I do love his character, and I yeah. think there's a lot more potential there. Uh, I mean, whatever. It's a galaxy of people. There's, <laughs> there's potential for a thousand shows, but... Cobb Vanth would be a good one. So uh, anything else you want to have happen or expect to happen? Um, I don't know, man, to be honest. Uh, I, I will say I did- we were kind of negative about the show midstream because it just seemed to kind of drag on with the Tuscan stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was this, it was kind of the same way Luke Skywalker was treated in the, the sequel series that like it wasn't, what we expected to get. Um, we were looking for this like series right. about a ruthless Boba Fett who was out for revenge after, you know, being, uh, thrown into the Sarlacc pit or whatever. And instead we got this guy who is like redeeming his life of crime and wanting to lead a life of, you know, well, I guess maybe still shady business, yeah. but lead, lead a life of crime, but milder crime in which he's in control. Yeah. If you think of his dad was a bounty hunter who was the clone for an entire army that destroyed the galaxy in a war and Boba is making a little bit of an incremental improvement in his life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's at least a step in the right direction. Yeah. I, I have uh, no arguments with the character development that happened in the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the timing that I have issues with. You know, I still don't really feel like there was a real good explanation as to why we had these scenes with Luke Skywalker, why we had the very expensive deep fake conversations, um, why Ahsoka showed up, um, you know, things like that. I, I, I I do think it's, we got to wait and, and see, and then there's like puzzle pieces that are missing. And I'm really hoping that the overall picture will be revealed later on because otherwise it'll just feel very disappointing as to, why this happened without any to me at least why without any real explanation yeah you know if we're getting like you know really out there in in predictions and stuff if we do have a second season for boba fett and we get to see like omega for instance and she no. was obviously a much softer version yeah. of the django that would be know, cool bloodline. but that would and mean boba it coming w- back towards <sighs> her and redeeming all i get it I do get it. I really do. But that would mean we'd have to put Tamar Morrison in a blonde wig. And I'm not sure how comfortable I am about that. No. <laughs> no. I've already seen the Photoshop pictures on Twitter and I don't oh, like man. what I see. No, I think we can find some New Zealand woman with blonde hair to play okay. Omega. I think okay. We can make it work. <laughs> it's not that small of an island. <laughs> well, I think uh, this this does call for one very last uh, how to be your better boss. Be like Boba Fett skit. Yes, yes.
So one of the things uh, that I noticed from the jump, and it, it may seem a little uncharacteristic on, on Fennec's part, but she had some wisdom for Boba, which is basically cooler heads prevail, prevail rather. Uh, she basically said, you know, fight on your terms, don't fight on their terms. Uh, Mando suggested something also similar when he said we can either get the jump on them or we can let them get the jump on us. More importantly, the don't act on emotion. Uh, that was almost Boba's downfall. But uh, we've seen that he's grown as a character. He's matured as a person. And uh, even though his um, opposition wanted him to fall back into his old ways, he was sticking to his figurative and literal guns uh, to make sure that he stuck to his his current plan and not deviate. So he always always make sure you want to have control as to the direction and also even the timing of your ventures. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's important to to always bring the right equipment for the mm -hmm. job. Yeah, um, they start this battle without his uh, his main his main deal and he had to go and get it. It caused some delay. Um, probably had to, he had to build a client a little extra more, <laughs> you know, it's, it doesn't, it's not great. So make yeah. sure if he had the rancor, ready. if he had the rancor from the get go, this, this wouldn't have been an issue, but he knew when to use it. It was the right time. Same thing with the gaffy stick. It was the right tool for the right job for the right moment. Yeah. So always, always make sure you're familiar with the tools that you have on hand and don't be, don't be afraid to use them when you need to. That's all for this episode. Thank you for joining us. If you like this episode, please subscribe, share, and write a review on Apple Podcasts. And uh, as you know, you can now rate our show on Spotify. You can also follow us on Instagram at Death Watch Podcast, on TikTok at Death Watchcast, and email us at deathwatchpodcast at gmail.com. And you can also find our podcast merch on etsy.com slash, slash shop slash deathwatchpodcast. Thanks for listening. This is the way. This is the way. 